overall, if you're in customer success and you're watching this, your job has never been more important. There's never been a more important time than right now in 2020 for what you're doing. And it can feel like um, we're pushing a rock uphill. It, it can feel like that probably for all of us, right? Every day, try to convince people. But I do feel like the top of the hill is coming and, and we'll start getting some momentum on our side soon. Hello, my customer success friends. You read Aesop's here for CSM Practice, the customer success consulting firm. Today I have Nick Maida, my dear friend, my ex-boss, person who I admire both uh, professionally, but mostly personally, since he's an awesome human being. Nick, thank you so much for coming on the channel and doing this video with me today. Irene, it's such a pleasure to be here. It's so fun to see you grow and your, your, your practice grow and awesome to be here. Thank you. Today, I want to talk about a very important topic. We're post-COVID-19, but this is a topic that's not just relevant for this post-pandemic era, but it's relevant for any year, any time. Why should companies invest in customer success strategies but most and foremost, after COVID-19, we see a great hit. Uh, most companies experience like a dip, at, at the very least temporarily, in any kind of sales orders coming in, new yep. business uh, opportunities closed on, had lowered and diminished. I mean, we've done a survey back in April and closed it mid-May, and we showed about 50% of the SaaS companies reduced their forecast right. for new business deals. Most of them either flattened the renewal rate projections or reduced it as well. So the GRR, expected gross retention revenues, are mostly expected to be lower. I know you guys have done, Gateside has done a similar survey. Did you get similar results? Yeah, totally. And I'll give you a little bit of context because obviously a lot has happened in the last four months in the world. <laughs> We're sitting here in July and, you know, COVID-19 really became a big deal in America in, in mid-March, although big deal in the world or before that. And, you know, it, we when when sort of things started heating up in the U.S. and in California, where you and I live, we, we, we wrote a number of different blog posts and did some surveys. And I'll just take you through a little bit of the evolution of what we've seen. So right away when everything started happening, I think we all knew that being able to like preserve your customers became went from like important to existential, right? That was really critical. I wrote this blog post kind of at the, at the beginning of the crisis where I basically said, here's what's going to happen. Your new sales are going to slow, as you said, Iri, and that definitely happened because in, in times of crisis, customers don't want to do new things, right? Everyone, whether individuals or customers, that happened. But the existing customers needed more help than ever because they need, they're going through lots of changes and lots of challenge. And the existing customers were going to kind of notice in some ways which vendors were there for them, which ones weren't. And at the same time, they were all looking at the list of all the things they're spending money on saying, do we really need that? Do we need that? Can we cut that? And so the vendors that were doing a great job in outcomes and experiences, like what you talk about all the time, they were being able to retain. And then finally, the customers, the vendors that were able to be ahead of the curve were actually able to expand spend by kind of almost consolidating in their customer and maybe knocking out other vendors. So there was this kind of share of vendors happening. The ones that were doing a good job with customer success were actually growing in their customers. The ones that weren't were actually shrinking. So that was the first thing we saw was it became existential. Every CEO was focused on it. Really, really big deal. The second thing we saw, though, then was, as you said, 
despite good customer success, we were all dealing with big challenges, right? Just in our customer base, the macro forces. And we surveyed people and said, okay, what's the impact going to be in terms of retention? You know, whatever your retention rate was going to be, let's say it was going to be 80% for the year. What's it going to be now in this new world? And so we sent that survey in March, asking them what they thought the new retention was going to be. And then again, at the end of May, when we had some more data, what, what are you actually seeing? And so the bottom line, and it, this is all detailed in our blog post, was everyone seeing, was seeing an uptick in churn, right? Everyone across the board, whether you sold to small companies or big ones, whether you sold in multiple verticals or one vertical. But um, what happened was in March, we thought the uptick was going to be huge. And it turned out in May, it's still a big uptick, but not as big as it would have been, uh, not as big as we thought it was going to be. And so the data is all in the blog post, but, you know, enterprise-oriented companies thought there might be an uh, uptick anywhere from 6 to 10 percentage points. And they were seeing more like three to five percentage points in May. SMB or any companies actually thought there might be 20 to 30 percentage point uptick. And they instead seeing more like 15 to 20 percentage points. So still a lot, right? I mean, that's a big uptick, but not as much as they thought. And then the other thing we learned was that um, in general, people weren't losing their customers altogether. What was happening was the customers were shrinking their spend. You know, you and I call that downsell, right? Like that, I'm not, I'm not, maybe normally I would have renewed a hundred licenses, but I only need 80 licenses. You know, I laid laid off some of my employees. I'm not hiring. And so people are seeing shrinkage in the spending with the vendors, but not necessarily losing as many customers as they would have thought. And so that that was, that's so I guess the summary is that um, people, knew there was going to be a problem. The problem isn't as big as they thought, but it's still really important and people are really focused on getting ahead of it. Yeah, we've seen similar results. And I actually wanted to double click on that because the gross retention rate, net retention rate, you know, all these key indicators for actually really impact a technology company's ability to grow exponentially over the years. Right. And so the impact is really compounded. Totally. What is some of the trends that you've seen for cross-sell and upsell? Oh, existing customers, were they even open to, to do any of that at least? Or? Yeah, I think in March and April, it was probably tough. Some people saw, you know, if, if you had a business that was doing enabling virtual work, then you saw right away lots of cross-sell, you know, Zoom, obviously, DocuSign. But if you're in a more mainstream business, in March and April, it's probably hard to do upsell. But actually, what's interesting is I think in May and June, things started picking up for a lot of vendors and more so in their installed base than new logos. And so we saw that a lot of our customers saw that uh, growth in your existing customers for sure. And now I think new business is opening up as well. And actually the other thing that I've seen very specifically kind of interesting anecdote is in addition to selling more licenses and software to your customers, we're seeing um, vendors able to sell services to customers um, Mm -hmm. because the customers need more help than ever. And in fact, they might be understaffed, right? So they, you're probably seeing some of your customers, you, read, uh, you do a great job in CS consulting and strategy, and they probably don't have as many people in their organization that they normally did. And so they may need more help than ever, right? And so we're seeing consulting, recurring services, technical account management, administration on demand, those services having a pickup in demand because the customers are a bit understaffed. Correct. I've, I've actually just read a blog about how companies are looking into uh, increasing budget for outsourcing and consulting services because they w- they're still like a little bit nervous and they don't want to necessarily open the doors to hiring a lot of people. And it's much easier to manage a temporary workforce otherwise. Absolutely. Yeah. People are worried about the fact that 
things could get worse again, right? We all know that in America and probably globally. And so therefore, they're really reluctant to hire a lot of people. That's the underlying dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I think the things they're looking for are either technology to help them scale and automation and all that, and or services to help them scale in a more agile fashion. I think those are the two mm-hmm. things. Well, you know, one of the things that we've noted in our surveys that about 25% of the respondents said that a positive impact on new pipeline conversions, I think those were the ones that happened to be in the right industry that was actually booming during COVID. Right. 19% said there was absolutely no change in their pipeline, lucky them. But 56% said that they actually did have a big hit, a negative hit, March and April. So if you look at those two months where you were supposed to close new sales deals, you were supposed to have these revenues, when you have a subscription model, the revenue doesn't just impact that month. It impacts uh, compoundedly over the next year or two in your ability to reach those uh, revenue forecasts that you had for maybe two years from now, because you don't have that compounded uh, revenue anymore. You need to catch up with it. And so I think what we'll see is that trajectory of growth that rate is going to be a little lower than expected. Totally, totally. Very well said. Yeah, in a subscription model, anytime you take a step back, it really affects you over time. Um, and I, I used, you alluded to this before. That's true on the churn side as well because you lose that customer and now you can't upsell them anymore because they're not a customer, right? And so, yeah, it's a, it's a big long-term impact. I think all of this actually emphasizes the importance of customer success strategies right now. Yeah, I have already lost the opportunity of new logos in March, April, May, considering you're in the that that type of industries that you sell into really your best bet to catch up to your initial forecast is by doing a great job at customer success so that you can maximize value for your clients and thereby maximize value for you through upsell, cross sell advocacy, and thereby accelerating new sales deals. It's interesting because we, in that survey we sent out in May, where we said, okay, what's the expectation of churn now that you've had a few months? We also asked people to rank initiatives in their company around customers. So we have put in you know, new logo sales, expansion sales, retention, preventing churn, and a couple other things, adoption as well. And so here's, here are the results. We asked them, you know, is, it, is each of these uh, not important, somewhat important, very important? A hundred percent of the respondents, these are CXOs at um, late stage private and public companies said uh, preventing churn was very important. So number one, number two was forecasting churn. Cause even if you can't prevent it, knowing it, that's going to happen. So you can plan for it. Number three was um, driving, uh, measuring adoption. Um, so understanding how people are using it, because especially around downsell, I want to know, are they using 80 seats out of a hundred, things like that. And then number four was driving adoption. So the, the, the four things were preventing churn, reporting on churn, pr- driving adoption, and measuring adoption, right? And that's interesting because uh, new logo sales was kind of at the end of the chart, not because any of these people didn't want new logo sales. Everyone wants new sales. We all want new pipeline, but just because things had slowed down, so they had to redirect the resource towards customer success. Do you believe that companies that actually focus on these four points would have a better chance of growing faster? And if so, what do you expect the impact uh, to be. Yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah, you and I are, uh, we're preaching to the choir because we both have believed this for a very long time since you were <laughs> a very early Gainsight employee. But uh, we, you know, we think that the companies that are doing a great job of customer success now are going to get a many fold benefit in growth because obviously, number one, they'll keep their customers so they're not losing them at much revenue. Number two, because they're close to their customers, they're going to expand them more. 
And then number three, the, the customers are going to be better advocates and that's going to show up in new logo sales over time when the economy comes back. Right. I, I think, I think a lot of customers are going to remember the vendors that did a great job during this downturn and they're going to be big fans and they're going to help them and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And I don't think this is a controversial message, being honest. Like I talked to a lot of CEOs and it's almost, almost at this point, obvious. They're not always doing the right things to make it happen. And you, you live that in your life, right? Cause you're trying to help people go from strategy to action. But the CEOs I, that I talked to really bought into the concept now more than ever. I emailed a, a friend of mine who's a CEO of a, kind of a 500 person private company a couple months ago. And I said, what are you doing around customer success? And he, he said, we're finally doing the things that we always should have done. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> you and me were telling CEOs like that, hey, do X, Y, and Z. And now they're finally doing it. So I actually think people have really come around in this new world. Uh, if someone were to take on your advice, what how what's the kind of like the stage by stage phases you would uh, recommend them to take that approach? So if I'm a CEO yeah. or COO, I need to take that on. Would you start with risk strategies? Would you start with something completely different? What would yeah. you recommend? I wrote a blog post on this a few weeks ago. I call it the yeah. four step playbook for kind of reopening your with your customers, right? So you're reopening your business. How do you reopen it with the customers? And these are the four things I see most common on people's minds. And these are probably consistent with what you see. So number, if you go, go to those four things that people are prioritizing, preventing churn, forecasting churn, measuring adoption, driving adoption. So preventing churn, I think one of the biggest things I'm seeing people do is move from just saying, I need people to use my product to say, I need them to drive value, see value from my product, right? And that's, that's you know, none of us buy products to log into them. We buy them to get value. And the hottest thing in customer success is getting going from the value that was sold to the value that was implemented to the value that was delivered and measured, right? And that end-to-end value process, we call it success planning, right? And you do a lot of this with your clients. Um, you can also call this outcomes, right? End-to-end outcomes. It's all the same thing, which is end-to-end view of value. That is the biggest thing, particularly for companies selling into high-value customers, enterprise-type customers. That helps you prevent churn because if customers are seeing value, they're more likely to stay with you. So it's not just about adoption, it's about value. Number two, on on forecasting churn, one of the biggest things I'm seeing is being able to much more early understand what the current situation is around the renewal through what we call stakeholder alignment. And this is basically like, you know, this is as old as it goes, right? Which is who are my stakeholders and have I talked to them recently, but doing it in a very systematic way, in a very organized way, in a very automated way. And, you know, again, you've done work to help your customers on this, understanding the champions. When was the last time we talked to them? Who's the sponsor on our side? And so people are trying to get really organized about across all your clients. What is the latest on their perception of us? Number three, is um, in terms of understanding usage, um, every company is saying, okay, for years I've said, I don't have good data about my customers. For years, they've they've told you and me, you know, I just don't have very good data. And and 2020 is the year when that excuse runs out. You (laughs) have to have good data about your customers. You've got to have product usage data. Everyone's investing in product analytics. Even for on-premise companies, they're doing telemetry. That's a super hot area. And then number four is driving product adoption. That was the fourth priority. And everyone's investing in what you know you and I call tech touch, right? Automating that long tail through technology, reaching out both through emails, through in-app communications, all that kind of stuff, right? So those four areas of driving to value through success planning, do, doing a better job of measuring churn and reducing it through stakeholder alignment, 
doing a better job of having product data on kind of how people are using your product and then tech touch through scaling you know, to your customer base. Those are the four things I see the most commonly across our customers. Yeah, I, I got to say, I agree with that. It's also showed up in our research as well. And the queries that we get as a consulting firm are mainly related to value playbooks, risk yep. mitigation strategies and health scores, as well as uh, tech touch and digital engagements. So it's totally aligned with what you just said. Yeah. And I, I'm not surprised either because yeah. you and I talked to a lot of the same people, right? So this is, I think, very consistent with what we're seeing more broadly. Absolutely. You know, another thing that showed up from our surveys that about 16% of the companies are actually planning on let customer success managers go or shrink that team or completely close that team. What do you think about that? Why is this happening? And what would you say to those uh, CEOs that are actually considering that function? Well, one thing in context is that I think, you know, if you said 84% are uh, keeping or growing their teams, which is the, the rest of it, right? I think that there's the reality is I think people are shrinking CS teams less than other teams yeah. from the data I've looked at and the data we've seen. They're still shrinking because some businesses have evaporated in their business overall. So for example, you're selling to an industry that themselves doesn't have any business anymore, you know, restaurants, et cetera. And so I think that's been part of the, the layoffs that have happened, but they've been less than sales, marketing, other areas. So that's one point. But that being said, I still think that some companies that are cutting are probably cutting a little too deeply. And we all know customer success is all about preserving recurring revenue. And in, in a downturn, what gets you through the downturn lets you survive is the recurring revenue. That's what keeps you in business, right? And so I'd say that the companies I talk to, honestly, the, the relatively thoughtful CEOs or experienced, they're not cutting CS at all. Yeah, if people are cutting it, they're cutting it because their business has been decimated or every now and then there's a CEO that doesn't get it. I have some seen some CEOs who said, oh yeah, you know, we're just going to go back to sales. And I guess I'd be honest and that, that's just a very, that's the wrong playbook. That's the, that's the playbook for 2010, not 2020. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially post COVID. Yeah. All right. I heard you uh, came out with a recently with a new book. Congratulations. It's right here. Uh, the customer success economy yeah. with the lovely yeah. Allison Pickens. Yes. Tell, tell me about that book. What inspired yeah. you to write it? Well, we, we, as you, as you know, we had this first book called customer success, which is written by Dan Steinman, myself and Lincoln Murphy that came out uh, five years ago. So a mm -hmm. long time ago, you were, you were still Gainsight then. Uh -huh. And, and so, and that book actually did really well. Like, you know, I think we're 70, 80,000 sold, translated in so many languages and Mandarin and Portuguese and Spanish. And it's been amazing. And um, it's the reason it did so well is there's so much interest in customer success, people learning about it. A lot of management teams made that required reading for their team. And, and what, but what we realized was a lot happened in five years, right? Five years, a few things happened at a macro level. One is customer success is not just for tech companies anymore, right? It's showing up in healthcare, financial services, transportation, lots of different areas. Second thing is customer success isn't just a function anymore. It's not just about the CSM. We all know to do it well, you need to rethink the way you do services and support and product management and development and marketing, right? And sales. And so it's much more cross-functional. And then the third thing is we're not um, so uh, immature as an industry anymore. So for example, the questions that have been asked, the basic ones like who should own renewals or, or should this, how should a CSM get compensated? The answers aren't black and white, but there's a well-defined menu of answers, right? There's a pretty good framework. And so we wrote the book for those three reasons, to show customer success across different industries, 
So we interview people from lots of industries, mm-hmm. Man- uh, Mangia, to show the playbook for customer success in different divisions, you know, marketing, sales, et cetera. And then to talk about how customer success as a concept now has a framework for making decisions. So we have a chapter about how you decide who owns renewals, uh, how you decide how to compensate a CSM, how you decide how to measure customer success. Again, this mirrors probably with your experience where the first time you're doing consulting, you know, you're just figuring it out, but you've now done this enough where you can probably predict the question the customer is going to ask, right? I'm guessing you can because you've done this so much and you got a great framework for helping them figure it out. So that's why we wrote the book. Excellent. This is brilliant. Sounds like anybody that's not just necessarily from SaaS can enjoy that book and learn a lot. Uh, Anyone that thinks about setting up the customer success organization can learn a lot. And anybody that already has a customer success organization, but really is trying to get their entire organization to transform and embrace customer success concepts throughout their organization should definitely read The Customer Success Economy, your new book with Allison Pickens. And you've been so gracious, Nick. You've actually going to offer this book for free to anyone that's watching this video. That's exactly right. Yeah, if you go to gainsight.com slash free book, um, you'll be able to actually go and, and uh, get a copy for yourself, fill out a short form that'll actually give you a little eval of your own customer success maturity. So that's another benefit. And then you'll actually get uh, a copy of the book. That's awesome. Awesome.